Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you have joined us on Yankees Baseball. <laughs> Sorry, too soon? Did they just lose the playoffs? They did. They did. Yes, they they did. did. To the Red Sox. To the Red Sox. And I'm, not, I'm wearing a Red Sox hat, but I am not a Red Sox fan. Why do you have that hat? I was given it as a gift. <laughs> By people who think that, no, like straight up, they think I'm like this diehard Red Sox fan. What? They gave me, I'm going to pull out mean? a keychain. Because I went to Run. a Red Sox Run. game. One time? Yeah, well, and I bought this hat. This and, hat? Yeah, this hat. Hey, can we talk about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you haven't introduced us. Oh, like, yeah. But, <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> we know now. I'm the producer. I'm, I'm keeping this. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, we all do have different... Um, we we had a lot of special guests today. We've got Matt Frad. <laughs> good day, good day. <laughs> We've got Father Mike Schmitz. That's Father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> we got somebody named Katie. I don't even know who this Katie person. Katie McGrady. I have no idea. Katie. I like the name though. Katie Gosh. McGrady kind of rhymes. We are not doing this well. <laughs> she always says hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Actually, it is Paul, Matt, and Liv Harrison. Thank you, Liv, for joining us. What's up? She joined us from her show, which is It's Not That Late with Liz at Thursdays. Liv. 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 Everyone calls me Liz. <laughs> I'm going to have t-shirts that say, don't call me Liz. That's going to be my merch. <laughs> I, I would buy that because I don't, I don't want to be called People Liz be like, either. Don't call okay. me Liz. Yeah. Okay. No, Here's a like, mug <laughs> <laughs> with the Red Sox on it. Right. I'll give it to my sister who actually on is Liz. Brand. Oh, she so, can have yeah, it. She can have, don't call me Liz. Mm. Paul's not bemused. Paul did not think he does <laughs> not want that shirt. No, I'm I'm just he's thinking about the question. The, the episode, which, yeah. Which we were talking. <laughs> Paul's about. just yeah. doing a good job. <laughs> Paul's like, if well, we I, could I, do I, the show, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, yeah. We have, I mentioned before the show that I'm very much an introvert, so I'm just I'm deciding what I'm going to say for these questions while you extroverts. We just extrovert. A lot. Of, I'm an extrovert. 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 <laughs> yeah. I make it, I make extroverts tired. So I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> So we were talking. That's what your t-shirt should be. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we were talking in our last episode. In our last episode, we were kind of recounting the uh, the very sad story of uh, fa- uh, Father Audrey Asad. No, of the, the, Catholic, the, the Catholic, the uh, Catholic, and Father Richard Rohr, and the, and the Catholic um, world was kind of shaken by the the leaving of some you know some high profile, high name Catholics who left very publicly that they were not no longer Catholics. And we were kind of talking about just the struggles um, that high profile Catholics have with spiritual warfare and being put on a pedestal and, uh, and definitely in how do we, how do we accompany these people? And when do we kind of insist on, on the purity of doctrine that, that we need to have as Catholics. And so we just want to continue that conversation. And with this really important question, because the reason why I found this article is because I follow Sherry Woodell. I'm a big fan of Sherry Woodell uh, on the Forming Intentional Disciples Facebook page. And uh, she, had, she had posted a great article about it. But all the comments were, oh, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do that. The church needs to do this to save these people and to, to, you know, to not let these people go. And the, the church has to change this and that. And that's really what kind of made me more disheartened. You know, and that because I, all the Catholics that I know that are serious about you know evangelizing are doing their best. You know, we're trying to evangelize and accompany and reach out. And when I see things like this, and this like, well, the church needs to do better. I'm kind of like, oh man, like what does that what does that mean? Are we failing in our job? Like, what do you think? I mean, do you think that people leave the church because the church is not doing a good job? Do you think people leave the church because of other reasons? Like, when 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 it's do better, do you think it's a a uh, twist of words? on the the church needs to update itself type of deal. 
No, not necessarily. Okay. Well, because then you have the other side where it's like, well, if they just brought back communion reels in every church, the churches would be packed every Sunday. Right. And it's like, well, you see both those. probably it's, it's not a bad thing, but it's probably not going to solve the problem. Yeah. Well, I think you have to look at it generally. I mean, I think it's the churches. I do agree that there's a lot of people in the church that are doing the best that they can. And you can go through all the different history. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that it's not just the Catholic church that's losing people. It's for for us as practicing Catholic, it's certainly the saddest. We don't like to see it, but it's 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 systemic around organized religion generally. Um, and you would say, okay, well, that's great for the other religions as long as they're becoming Catholic. <laughs> but um, but it's really sad when you see people walking away from the truth, um, because we know it's what it's what people need. So that's really sad. I just remember um, a funny story from uh, Patrick Donovan, who is uh, a member of our diocesan leadership team. He had this great story. He's got four kids, and he was taking his kids to Mass one time when his kids were really young. And the daughter was just acting up and acting up. She maybe three or four or whatever. And, and um, finally, they all sat down after the prayers of the faithful. And the, the daughter kind of loud whispers to the dad, like, is church over yet? And the, the, you know, Patrick said, no, no, we're only halfway through the Mass. And she just threw up her arms and screamed at the top of her, lung, her lungs, Church is hard. <laughs> she's not wrong. She's right. And, <laughs> yeah, and she's not I've wrong. I've never forgotten that because I thought that was a great story. You know, a great story. Like, you know, you hear Jesus really only gave us three things to do. You know, go make disciples, teach all nations, baptize them. He left it pretty open-ended after that. And that's why church is hard, I think, because, like, we weren't not given an instruction manual. It's not do X, Y, and Z and people will come to Christ. Right. It's an art, not a science. Oh, I, I thought, church... yeah, but there's there's two different. There's discipleship, but there's also, like, living your faith can be hard. Well, that's true, too, yeah. It's hard, you know, and I think it's it, it requires... And the more... It, the funny thing about, I would say, especially Catholicism, is the more you learn, it's almost like the more... And the more you talk about it, especially for us, we're on the radio, and it's like the more responsibility you start to take on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the more and more responsibility, and obviously you know this as a priest, you have a very high responsibility, um, and so like we live that, but we, you know, I hope that, you know, we can bear that burden. Not everyone can. Um, and so it's always something to remember that it's like, okay, well, if you're going to be a disciple and you're going to go out into the world, like you now have a higher level of responsibility to yourself and to your church than you did before to some extent. Yeah. That, and that last episode I had, I had made the comment that, you know, you, you increase your your faith and the target on your back grows. Yeah, for And it's sure. that same idea, you know? Now all of a sudden people are looking at you. Obviously the devil's going to want to take you out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and more opportunities come for that. You know, if you're just living in your house, you know, in Idaho with on 200 acres of land and you only come out <laughs> twice a year to be able to, hey, I don't know what people in Idaho do. Um, <laughs> So to our one listener in Idaho. That's like pretty obvious. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, that's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to not do something, to actually challenge yourself in the way of discipleship and actually go out there. And I get pushed back all the time because I'm a woman married with kids. And it's like, what are you doing out of the mom's group? You know, what are you doing? Whatever. And I tell, I talk about this a lot to women's groups, you know, uh, there's this thing in, <laughs> that they like to say uh, in Catholic mom groups all the time. Well, you are, you know, clothing the naked and feeding the poor and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, that is not okay. Uh, that's how I see the devil like coming into like mm. where that seems like a really good thing. And I'm, I'm over here going, 
No, that's called your kid. <laughs> that's called oh, your vocation. Ha, yeah. That's not the same. There are actual homeless people and there are actual naked people and people in prison. And you you still have to do that. Don't believe the lie that just because you're a mom that you get out of a jail on a free card or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, free whatever. Okay. Um, anyway, so I think it's interesting how you know, things can be very twisted. The problem with the church, and I meant to say that on purpose, is that it's filled with human beings. It's always Sorry, going to... No, no, no. Listen, I'm serious. There's nothing wrong with the church. The problem are people. That's the problem. And it's always going to be that way. People are sinners. People fall off a pedestal. People, you know, put themselves... Whatever. They're broken. They're wounded. That's the problem. Church isn't the problem. So if you were in the church because of people, you absolutely will leave because mm. of people. If mm. you're in the church because you believe in the Eucharist and the doctrines of this faith, you're going nowhere. doesn't matter how many scandals there are. doesn't matter what famous Catholic you've read that just pieced out. You won't care. That will not shake you. So yeah, the problem with the church is people, not the yeah, church. And I think that's really important. So for me and like my own faith journey, I hate that term, but my own <laughs> faith journey. It's cliche for a reason. So to speak. Um, the more I've learned about Catholic doctrine and the history and the saints and everything, the more I've like fallen in love with the church, meaning like Jesus and the Eucharist and everything that he built throughout the last 2000 years. Right. So that's, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? It's like you, 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 you're dedicated to the church, but the people in it, it's like the, it, they're not always great. Yeah, I, yeah. my husband and I say all the time, we have a covenant with each other. These kids that we made, I mean, they're leaving. <laughs> you know, like they're not, that's why you can't live your life for your kids. They're going to go on and, and do whatever they're supposed to do with their lives. But we have a covenant. When you're in a church, you're there because you're there for the church. You're there for the sacraments, the Eucharist. If you're there because Audrey Assad was your favorite singer and then she pieces out, that's on you. That's not on Audrey. Like you've got to make that decision. You need to understand why you're in this faith. And she has her own responsibility, right? She has her own soul. But but you've got to check yourself and say, why am I here and what do I know about it? So when I do have someone in my life that is wanting to leave the faith, I always ask them, well, what do you know about it before you leave? Do you even understand it? And nine times out of 10, they don't. They're like, well, we worship Mary. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, we just have a lot of old guys that just sit around and they just make up bad rules. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. You hear the same 10 things, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, you shouldn't be here. For, it's, in some sense, we shouldn't be shaken by her leaving because she's a person, and it's not. It shouldn't. It should not affect our faith at all because that's not why I'm in this church to begin with. Yeah, you know, I was I was talking with a very very dear friend of mine. He was telling me his 15 year old son was really struggling and didn't want to go to mass and everything. And so I said, well, just just have him have him come talk to me. You know, I'd, I'd really like to just talk about his intellectual objections to the faith. And he said, Father, it's not intellectual. He's just lazy. <laughs> I was like, right. it's like, oh yeah, that's true. I guess church it's, is hard. It's fifteen. It's all, you know. It's yeah. It's just. It's not. It's not that he disagrees with any dogmas. He just wants to sleep in on Sunday mornings. Right. That's uh, my brother's an atheist, and I think that's the reason why. He's not smart enough to come up with a reason that God doesn't exist. He just doesn't want God to exist because that means you have to order your life to Him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Obedience, and you have to show up, and <laughs> every week, kind of a pain. I mean, Forty days in the spring. That's hard. Yeah, yeah I is. know. People are ridiculous. Okay. Well, it's cold <laughs> here. Just remember that it's cold. So here. Lent is harder. 
<laughs> in the northeast? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Lent is harder in the north. Now, that would be a fun topic. <laughs> Where is Lent the hardest? Where is Actually, Advent more difficult? <laughs> well, probably Alaska. I mean, if you're going to really. I say well, Siberia yeah. if we're going with some. Yeah, where Siberia. they only have like. Anchorage, not bad. Anchorage, fair Yeah, but bad. sometimes they have like 20 minutes of sun a day or something. I've never been to Alaska. I've never well, that's I, mean, not I know a lot Alaska. about Alaska. Yeah. I've been there. Do you? Oh, really? I do know a lot about Alaska. How do you know so much? Oh, interesting. Have you gone? No. You'll love it. I know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, we solved one thing tonight. All right. Man, this is productive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like Alaska. I love Alaska. (laughs) Do you know that people, one one Alaska tangent, do you know that (laughs) Russians came down from Alaska and settled in California for a time? And there's there's Wait, Russian so settlements. There's Russian Yeah, settlements. there's whole I'm, towns. Yeah. Yeah, there's like really what, cute. What era are we talking about? <laughs> 1900s? I love that I'm a They're like, really? Really? We should probably go back to that. That is fascinating. No, I was hoping we would just, you know, move to Washington or something. Then it rains all the time. No, okay. I don't want to. This is a tough group of geography. I guess Texas is really the only place to live. How many states? Apparently, Lint is easy where I live. So (laughs) get over yourself, Texas. Get it, get it together. (laughs) Going skiing on a Friday and not being able to eat meat is not easy. Never mind. Go on. Snow skiing? What kind of skiing? (laughs) Um, Sorry, I'm rollerblading. I did not get that. That was fantastic. Okay, I'm not even sure what question we're moving on. We don't. We don't even know. Oh, okay. All right. So the next. (laughs) Yeah. So you know, actually, (laughs) kind of an interesting segue is that uh, you know I remember when I was uh, teaching an RCIA class, I was teaching it with another teacher who uh, was not. Uh, I don't think she was deep, as deeply steeped in Catholicism as uh, as a teacher. I would want a teacher to be mm. who taught RCIA to adults, um, you know. And she was. We were talking about what does it what does it mean to be Catholic? You know, what can you disagree with and still be Catholic? Mm. And she's like, well, that's a really good question. I mean, like, there's a few essentials, but for the most part, you know, if you can believe what you want and still be Catholic. So, I mean, what can you be, d- believe different things? Just this past weekend, I got an email from a parishioner uh, at my parish who said, I'm very offended that you have in the back of church these posters for the 40 Days for Life. And she said, I'm a pro-choice Catholic, and these posters offend me. Please take them down. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we have... We, How did I know. that conversation Are we not supposed to laugh to that? I know. I, well, I didn't, I didn't I respond that, to that email. That was me. Ironic. I didn't respond Funny. to the email. But, Sorry. but that's, that's a question. Like, what, what doctrines are essential to be Catholic? I'm in, like... Like you want official? Like you yeah. want to? Is this like a trivia pursuit like, question? Oh my god! Okay, let's see. I mean, like, like is, <laughs> is a pro-choice Catholic still a Catholic? Is a is somebody who denies the Eucharist oh, still a Catholic? There... Because we got two thirds of the, uh, the Catholic Church that denies the Eucharist, according to some studies. Oof, scary stuff, right? Yeah, some may but, not even believe in God and be Catholic. I don't know. Yeah, but that, that that's for sure got to be like. I mean, isn't the answer everything? But uh, <laughs> to, I think Thomas Aquinas has a. Uh, a quote that I'm going to severely botch. Um, <laughs> please, please do. But it's it's something along the lines of if there are 12 things that you have to believe and you believe in 11 of them, uh, and and you don't believe in one of them, would you be saved? And his answer, I think, scarily enough, was no, because then you're not really believe you're not a member of the Catholic Church. You're the ch- you're a member of the Church of Me. The Church of Me is probably not what he said, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. That that concept of like you can't disagree. The second you you disagree with the Catholic Church, you're ceasing to be Catholic. That well, seems like pretty what, intellectually sound. Yeah, well, I totally agree with you because, I mean, this is why we have the term cafeteria Catholic because, you know, back in the day, guys, we used to have cafeterias where you had cafeteria ladies that would give <laughs> food out of 
bats. That and two years ago. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, before, oh, please. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. I go to my kid's school and like everything's wrapped in plastic. I'm like, where's the lady with a ladle? Like, you don't know. So somebody has a, like a, please. Okay. Well, whatever. In Texas, where we have easy lint. I'm just kidding. Your mom was the lunch lady? <laughs> Head lunch lady. One day. Oh, one day? One year. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that term came around because people would like to pick and choose. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I mean, the whole Mary thing. I'm, <laughs> she seems lame. And it's like, okay, yeah, you can't. No, we can't do that. We can't say that. Yeah. I think there's some things that most people would automatically be like, Jesus, okay, yay or nay. And we'd be like, no, we're we're a hard yay. (laughs) (laughs) Totally believe in that guy, (laughs) you know? But then if you come up with birth control, all right, right, let's think about what has in the world, you know, or how about this? How about I can't have babies? So IVF, right? And you have a bunch of Catholics that don't know that's not okay. That's not the way that you can achieve a pregnancy in the Catholic Church. So I think one of the things we have to be careful of is why do they have the information they have? Is it because they have been catechized poorly? They don't know? How many priests are standing up telling you not to have IVF? I'm asking. I've actually never heard it. Crickets. I mean, so then how are the people supposed to know? And then here we are going like, mm, I didn't get all 12. <laughs> you only got yeah. 11. And they're like, but I didn't know. I mean, and that's the whole thing about like right. with great knowledge comes great responsibility. Right. But also you can't just go around not being knowledgeable. You do have to check in. You do have to educate yourself at some point. But I think as a community, especially those of us who are preaching, um, we have to, you know, by the way that we're living or whatever, I post stuff all the time on my social media. Yeah. I'm very present there. And the reason I do it is with great intention. I don't come out and say things. Right. I post memes or, you know, whatever that right, right. people get the gist. I think, um, oh man, I'm, I'm slowly but surely losing my, oh, there it is. I, the train of thought had gone, but it, it, no, it arrived. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was like a whole, I mean, I, I don't, didn't live through it, but there was a whole period of time uh, that the term is like a counter magisterium. There was a bunch of theologians that uh, spoke on the contraception issue and were like, no, nah, it's all good. Like, even if the church says this, like we say this and like, that's the church you belong to. That's why it's called this counter magisterium because- you know, if you're following, like, and they were saying, like, we are Catholic theologians. Yeah. Well, and that, that's even more confusing. They were taught in well, the seminaries that you could, well, like, our, what, our mean, pastor was it's, taught It's not that. a was thing. It's an is thing, right? I mean, you have the synodal way in Germany right now that's going on. Yeah. Which is really, if anyone, it's like a group of, what is it's a group of priests that's marrying homosexual couples, right? Essentially blessing those relationships. Women and, becoming priests. Yeah. You know, like, there's all yeah. sorts there's a, there's of. There's a whole movement in, in Catholic course. Church in the United States of women becoming priests. Right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I tell people all the time. People will say like, oh, but my priest told me that we can do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, you can find a priest who will tell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not hard. But so that's a tremendous responsibility of the priest. So I think yeah. it's going to have to start with what doctrines do the priest, you know, preach and believe. Yeah. Yeah, That's where it starts. One of the things that, that I always find very challenging is you know, there's a lot of topics that I would like to talk about in a homily. And it's not that I'm worried about people walking out. It's that, A, how do I tie it into the readings? And B, mm. is the homily the right ap- appropriate place to talk about birth control? Because you have seven-year-olds sitting there. You have 85-year-olds sitting there. Right. You know, I mean, is it... Yeah, but you can. I mean, I mean, I was, a, I was a chastity speaker. 
Um, that's how I got started. And my talks varied vastly depending on my audience. You know, when I love talking to young adults that were in college because I could say a lot of stuff <laughs> that I couldn't say to high school yeah. kids, you know, that I couldn't say to junior high, that I couldn't say to whatever. But there's absolutely ways that you can talk about these topics and be very real about it. And but we've got to talk about it. You've got we've got to educate the masses because we are the ones that are able to do that. Those of us who do have this knowledge. I think I really do. I think we have been on this, like, in, not admission, I don't know, empowered <laughs> in, in <laughs> for mission. this mission field. <laughs> Just make it up words. Obviously, I was chosen to speak, everybody. <laughs> well, well, I, think, I think it goes back to what we spoke about on the last episode of this, that at some point people do have to, like I was saying last time, like people do have to eventually make a decision. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm not going to, if I'm going to be a cafeteria Catholic, I'm going to believe, but I, I don't agree with the church on that, but I, I believe this and I think it's right. You've now made a decision, right, that's not in teaching with the Catholic Church. So when you say, when you pose, you originally you pose the question of what doctrines can, do we have to believe in? And the answer is truly like all of them. And if you don't know something, it's the onus is on you as a baptized Catholic uh, to go and f- figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and it's that not everything is is this uh, doctrine or this dogma. You know, there are traditions, and but, but again, decipher between those. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I would say doctrines, though, we have them codified. So Just no, like, I know. But my well, like my priests point getting is married like, is a tradition. I mean, we can have married priests that come over and, you know, all that stuff. And that's always talked about like that could, you know, are we going to actually make that doctrine or dogma or whatever the just, difference is between the two and not have it as a tradition anymore. Right. Um, it gets confusing. I mean, I think it's confusing for people who even have theology degrees. It's this isn't easy stuff. So, yeah, the guy that's sitting in the pew that has never been exposed to anything and was taught the wrong things. It's that's how hard is it going to be for that guy? And we hope in grace and we hope that, you know, we believe in this final moment, right? Like that they choose like, Oh, I get it. You know what I mean? That's what I hope for that whole, you know, people in the the field, the workers in the field that they're given this moment where they see everything and that they say, all right, I'm in, even though they live their life with only the 11 out of the 12 people that are on the edge. Maybe that might be listening to this. It's, it's a tremendous relief, Right. When you actually decide to follow the church to some extent, like I don't have to decide whether or not contraception is right or IVF or whatever. And you pick your pick your issue. I don't have to make those because I rely on the magisterium of the church. And that's like it's it's when world is crazy. It's just one thing. One last another thing I don't have to think about. You know, I just believe it and go with it. I think that that's one of the like best arguments against sola scriptura, which is like how on earth could a random lay person for lack of a better way of saying it like we like do not know enough to like personally interpret the bible you know what i mean it's so arrogant and i think the devil is brilliant because arrogance gets us in a lot of trouble especially as americans i don't know if you've met any texans have you met them they're the worst (laughs) i lived with so many (laughs) (laughs) but i mean and he also uses shame and fear you know i think those are kind of his biggest his biggest things. And so it is shameful when you walk into a place and you say something and then you get shamed, mm-hmm. you know, and you didn't know the information that person isn't coming back, you know, or yeah. if they're, they've been given the fear of God, but not in the, you know, in the holy way, but in the, like, I will beat you way. Like that's, that's not going to work guys. That's <laughs> yeah, not going to, that's not, no. that's not our good moments, you know? Yeah. So we have a lot of work to do. We really do. And, and it's more about locking arms and doing the work and there's plenty for everybody. No competition. Kind of a thing. Could I ask you a question, Father? Yes. Like how this would all relate to... What if I went like super personal? No. Go, go for it. Uh, What's your favorite, favorite color? Favorite colors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Same, 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 like, um, dark green. Just like oh, all nice. of this, uh, 
this kind of thing about like the different teachings in in connection to the sense of the faithful because the holy spirit guides us right guides the faithful to believing in these things i don't know it's just like an interesting connection that i've thought in my brain but can't articulate anything worth saying about and so i'm hoping you can <laughs> yeah i mean we do we do believe in something called census fidelium meaning that that the, that the church has a supernatural instinct of faith every lay person if they're if they're a believer of goodwill Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Believer of goodwill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But now at the same time, we can be very blinded by our own choices. You know, I remember doing a marriage prep. Um, we, we do a little mentor couple model where a mentor couple, you know, 10 years old, married, whatever comes right. with the, the couple that's preparing for marriage and they, they get to pick their mentor couple. So sometimes, so I've never met them before usually. And so I was sitting down one time and having kind of the contraception conversation with the, the, the uh, couple that's preparing for marriage. And you could see that they were really engaged. They were really like, you're asking great questions. They were totally open to it. They're like, wow, this is beautiful stuff. I never thought about that. And the body language of the mentor couple who'd been married for 10 years was like shooting darts out of their eyes at me. And right. I, I don't know them. I'd never seen them before, never seen them again. But I, if I had to bet dollars to donuts, I'd say they're probably doing it. And they probably are not happy being called out to do it. Right. So if you're if you're not engaged in it, if you don't have like skin in the game, it's very easy to learn about IVF if you have 10 kids and you don't need to worry about it. If you're infertile and that's your only hope of having a child, it's a little harder because now you've got the emotions wrapped up in it. Mm. And that's where, that's where really the cross comes in. And you just have to say, look, the Christian life is a cross and, and God never promised us happiness here. You know, but I guess I guarantee yeah. God will bless you in other fruitful ways if you're faithful to him. Right. We have an entitlement issue. And especially when it comes to kids in the Catholic Church, it's very difficult being a woman who only has two children and they're seven and a half years apart. And I do have permanent infertility. I have a medical hysterectomy at 36. And it was done by Dr. Hilders, who's the leading guy for NFE. Like he's like, oh, the, really? oh heck yeah. He runs the Pope Paul VI Institute in Nebraska and <laughs> flown over by the Vatican all the time. Um, it's hard. It's an absolute, I, I used to like start like caveat, like I believe I'm her life. I like, we never, <laughs> we only did an FB. Like, you know, like I had to like mm -hmm. lead with my story. And um, so I think, you know, there's this pressure as, as Catholic couples, Catholic women who are married um, that your value is in how many children you have. And when you have states like Massachusetts that you can get IVF for free. Can you, you know? really? Yeah. Wow. Or you can, um, you know, like you see all these other people and they're talking about it and it seems great. And they, you know, people don't, people don't understand, first of all, why does the church not believe in IVF? And what does that even mean? I mean, that gets really complicated. And um, yeah, the whole like NFP or well, fertility care is what we're supposed to call it now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, it's, yeah, it's really intimidating, you know, and there's all these methods and da, 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 da. So I think, I think you see that laziness and I think you see that entitlement, like, oh, I deserve children. We're married. We're a good Catholic couple. Like, what do you mean? How am I going to go out there without these kids? You know, people are going to think I'm whatever. So the devil's so smart. I mean, he really takes a good children. I mean, as you're a woman, you're thinking, this is good. I want to have children. That's a positive. Look at me. I'm pro-life. I'm the culture of life. He takes that concept and then he distorts it. Mm. And I think that that's where people get very confused. But boy, I don't understand, Father. I'm, I want to have a baby. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's not easy. Mm. 
No. To navigate. And when you have all of your friends doing it. Sure. And they have 12 kids. Ooh. Absolutely. Well, I mean, <laughs> Mind <laughs> you. <laughs> oh my, they all love me. I go and help kids. them at mass. They're like, yeah. Auntie Liv is here. Thank God. <laughs> Good thing she only had two kids. <laughs> Gosh. I'm <laughs> like, everyone's all pair. All right. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's true. And part of the challenge too is to know when you can bring that up. You know, I've been in my parish for about three, three months, a little over three months. And, uh, you know, our, this past weekend's readings were all about divorce and remarriage mm-hmm. from Jesus, you know, and I'm kind of like, woof, you know, Jesus is preaching some tough stuff, you know, am I too new at my parish to, to lay down the heavy stuff right now? You know, have they gotten to know me enough that, that they wouldn't find this something that's like a turnoff that would totally ruin, wreck my ministry, you know? Mm-hmm. Or do they know it's coming out of love? Which right, it would be right. Right, which is a whole different thing. So we, I decided we know that because we, we, when you were in Stanford, like we knew that. We yeah, knew everything you were. Yeah, it was coming out of love, and and so I decided to preach on marriage in general and not address the divorce issue immediately, mm-hmm. which I know would, would hit a lot of nerves. And we have a lot of divorcees in my parish. Um, yeah. So, but thankfully, right. we got in three years. I got the readings coming back again. So, <laughs> right. three years under my belt, I can kind of. The priest I um was with, I was in Hoboken for this past weekend. Well, not, that's not true. I was passing through Hoboken <laughs> this past weekend and I ended up in mass there. And he took it on this whole thing. It was an interesting um, angle. He was talking about all the old Jewish laws and he was like, you know, a man could divorce a woman pff, any reason he wanted. Like he was like, she could be a bad cook and that would be an okay reason to divorce her. Mm-hmm. But women didn't have rights to divorce husbands. So he kind of actually took this angle about the actually um how women I, we kind of did this whole feminist thing but not in the good way like in the catholic way you know like cat like whatever and he was trying to show the equality of man and woman and that the dignity of both and um and he kind of it was just a neat angle of how he came at it but you know there are a lot of divorced people and some you know are rightly so the marriage you know can be annulled because it never really existed to begin with so you have to you know there's a lot of room that you can talk and other sp- bases, you know, and kind of bring it out there. But I think you just, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing this whole gig and he's going to have you talk when you're supposed to talk. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Not that you needed me to like <laughs> high five you and cheer you, but. Wow. If Liv says I'm, Liv says I'm doing a fantastic job. <laughs> I just want to be your hype girl. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't even know I'm hoping that she's posting all these episodes <laughs> on her, uh, her social media, but Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> we've, we've we... reached our time limit again, but <laughs> but I think that was a, a fruitful conversation about the need for uh, truth to be a major part of our efforts in the church and to not be afraid of the truth, not be afraid to believe the truth, even if it's inco- inconvenient, to quote Al Gore, an inconvenient truth. Oh, sorry. That was Al Gore? That, that was, was a movie about Al Gore, yeah. Oh, no, he wrote the book, <laughs> Inconvenient Book. Oh, did you write the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Global Warming, yeah. Glenn Breck wrote the book, The Inconvenient Book. Okay, well, we already know I don't read, so I'm, we covered that. I'm sorry, probably, should, probably should not have brought up that can of worms. Yeah, but guys, but, uh, find the audiobook. <laughs> but I think the important <laughs> piece is that we that we really should submit ourselves, our heart and mind and will to the church, because otherwise we become our own pope. And that's a dangerous thing to have different popes walking uh, around here on this earth. It's kind of the safest place we know that passes on Christ's teaching. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode of Restless. You can also join Liv on her her show that's on Veritas Catholic Radio on Thursday nights at 8. It's called It's Not That Late because it's a late show for those that go to bed at 9. <laughs> and you can watch that's it on That's me uh, and that's Paul. Or listen you can also to it later. <laughs> YouTube, follow her on all kinds of social media. She's the at social media queen. The Liv Harrison. At the Liv Harrison. How arrogant is that? Because the other See? Liv Harrison <laughs> is not the right one. We don't like her. No. <laughs> 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 
liver. She's atheist. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. She's probably lovely and has 12 kids. Lovely. Probably. I don't know. She is. She probably is. And fertile. Okay. I'm sure you can follow Masperaza on social media, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I just erased Instagram. Oh, I'm proud I mean, of not like my account. Proud of you. I have you know, zero social media except for LinkedIn. If you want to connect, for that is hilarious. Topics. I have a lot of social. <laughs> media. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say Paul's last on name. All of them. He, right. No, no, but no. Paul Den. I'll get fired. Paul's last name <laughs> yeah, is a mystery. That's right. Facebook, Paul's mystery man. Pinterest. Not to Paul and I are having our own conversation <laughs> over here. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> but we better wrap up this episode of Restless. So thanks for joining us. Hope you tune in next time. God bless.